Blog Talk Radio. Great joy and good afternoon, my friend. The Nepalese Meditation Bowl is chiming, centering your mind and delight on the art of the CEO. The show that brings you the most fascinating and, well, really the most helpful leaders of the business community from around our terrestrial orb. I am Bart Jackson, your Hieronymus Bosch of business. <laughs> and this very day, we're going to dispel your doubt and give you a living example of how there is always, always room at the top. Young David Moore Moritz did everything his every parent could hope for. He went through college, he went through law school, graduating with honors, bright career all before him, and then, boom, he turns his back on the judicial trade and founds his own amazing business, Society Awards. So now, take a look on your video screen. The next time you see all these celebrities gleefully clutching and kissing their elegant trophy at the Golden Globes and People's Choice, MTV, Billboard Music, Art Decorators Guild, and on and on and on, a whole host of professional sports awards, major corporates, watch for the award and watch the artistry because they are holding one of David Moore's Society Awards, which have become the standard, the Ebenezer in the entertainment, sports, and professional fields. And in just the last 11 years, David has established himself as the Guinness and the Rolls-Royce of exquisitely designed rewards. And he's coming here to tell us how he made it and how this celebrity-envied excellence is continued to be produced. What a tale we've got for you. So whether you are... uh, Tony nominee hoping to clutch uh, the 24 carats in your latest Broadway production like Kenneth or you're launching a boutique financial consulting firm seeking advice for playing in the big leagues like Jerry. Pull up your chair a little closer and join us at this feast of wisdom all carefully cuisined to make your career thrive and your ventures flourish. David, I'm so glad that you've been able to join us today and share the story of your creating some of the world's most visible products. Hi, Bart. It's a pleasure to be here, and I will try to live up to that incredible and probably unwarranted introduction you've given me, but thank you all the same. Well, David, Society Awards is not just some trophy shop churning out statuettes for Camp Flying Muses canoe races here. You're from, from day one, you set your sights on Emmys, Golden Clothes, major sports team stuff. Now, uh, some and you're dealing with really some of the most image conscious entities on our appearance obsessed planet and here it is 2007 and just a mere 11 years ago you you saw this what were you seeing when you looked at the existing awards from these outfits uh what what planted the seed where did you see the need in the niche well, um, first of all, it, it's correct that we do focus on high-end entertainment awards or big business awards, but um, if the camp uh, was a very high-end exclusive kind of a camp and they wanted a golden, gorgeous canoe statue or moose, we would gladly do that as well. Um, so it's just oh, you know, that's good to know. available for corporations well, and associations oh, and all of that. It's about whether or not the product is nice. Um, but to answer your question, mm-hmm. um, when we first started out, uh, I wanted to get into a niche, and I, I knew that I could do things differently and better um, that might be better product, but it could be better brand, better service. There were a lot of innovations that I wanted to bring to this industry, and it wasn't until I had my first few opportunities with clients and they got a chance to actually inspect these things in person 
um, which is pretty awesome mm. if you think about it, the way we all just see yeah, them on yeah. television, and then suddenly you get to hold them and look at them. And then I started to think about how I could improve them, which was another part of what I needed to do. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. So that's so you really did. Uh, you, you did sort of see, you, you you did see the the need for better right from the beginning. Yeah, actually, um, people can be happy with or content anyway with what they have, um, and not right. everyone can imagine how to make improvements. But if you can show somebody something that's better, it's pretty easy for everyone to recognize. You don't need any special uh, talent or skill or experience to set two things side by side and see which one is prettier and nicer and better quality and just makes you happier. So uh, we did see the opportunity to do that. Oh, I said, well, David, it's it's early in the show, but I'm going to say, my friend, that, that uh, David has just given us a quill pen moment, and by that I mean a timeless truth in business, and that is that if you can make it better and you do create a, a better product that you can compare, it does make a difference, and they will indeed get it. And I, so I'd like you all to take, dip your quill pens in the inkwell and scribble that down and take it to memory. Now, David, so you're sort of saying, you know, oh, Great God, Ganesh! I can do better than that. But but you're not an artist. You're not a graphic designer. You're not a sculptor. Uh, and you're you're going out to uh, deal with multi-billion-dollar corporations. Uh, so uh, you you have the idea, but um, these are the ones. These are companies that every entrepreneur on the planet wants to to crash their door, and they're not doing it. So. A step at a time. How did David Moritz get his foot into the door and gain an audience with these players? It's quite right. Um, I'm not a trained artist, although at this point, after 11 years working on it, I have a lot of artistic <laughs> sensibilities and capabilities, so perhaps I am an artist now. Um, but I wasn't uh, then, for sure. And I was mm-hmm. uh, in law. You know, but the other thing is you have to have an eye for it. Um, and that is something that you can learn. It's a skill that you can work on and develop, um, having a taste level and an appreciation and judgment and a discerning uh, viewpoint. These are all things that you can work on every day and that I, of course, need to work on every day. And you can improve on it like any other skill. Maybe you have some natural aptitude for it, and then you hone that into uh, an ability or perhaps um, – you don't have any natural aptitude for it, but your job requires it, and so you need to get better at it, like like many things. Um, right. So I like to think that I did have a natural aptitude for taste level and for style and for mm-hmm. judgment in that regard, aesthetic judgment. Um, but at that time, I didn't have a lot of experience with it, certainly no professional experience, and um, I needed to work at it, and I needed to find a way in. I had been in school for you know, law, uh, undergrad in law school, so seven years without a break. Mm-hmm. And the first thing I decided to do was to just, I thought I was done with books, but I just you know <laughs> got some manufacturing textbooks and started reading and trying to figure out mm-hmm. some way to, uh, to find a better way to do it. Then I started calling factories and interviewing them about their machineries and processes. And ultimately, I came up with what I thought would be a, a better way to be able to make these things. Um, and I needed to get... <sighs> people to give okay. me a, a first chance. So I had an, I, I believed that I could do it, um, and then I needed an mm-hmm. opportunity. And it's kind of catch-22. You have to have a chance to show people, um, but it's right. hard to get a chance if you haven't done anything. Right, the old entrepreneur's oldest problem. Well, now, uh, 
David, you used the term, when we've chatted before, you used the term charisma as one of your personal advantages. And you did the study, you did the book work, and I'd like you all, I hope everyone listening is aware of, of the, the labor that David put in. But you, you have mentioned that you have a certain charisma. This gets you in the door. How did that work for you, may I ask? I don't think that, yeah, well, I, I was younger, and I was I believed that I could do it, and so when you're in your mm-hmm. mid-20s and you believe in something, you can be very persuasive. I, I don't know exactly how I did it now, <laughs> looking back 11 years later. I don't think that I could do it today. I'm just not that <laughs> eager and excited and energetic as I was um, then, but uh, I was focused. I had a plan. I needed to do it, so when you combine... Um, willingness to be flexible and to um, be charismatic and to talk to people and get the door open along with an actual need for your life and livelihood and business to work to to do this, then you can be kind of, there can be some kind of extra magic, extra special energy that went into that. Um, But ultimately, I I think it's really important to underscore that there's the charisma to to be given an opportunity, but behind that, I was certain that I was going to make their product better and their job easier and improve things for their company, for their brand, and really deliver something that was going to be an improvement that would make them look good. Uh, the people that I talked to look good. Mm-hmm. And I had to do just cold opening. But I don't think right. that people – you know, people today are really afraid of that. And if you can do it, it's yeah. a skill. And one thing I would definitely say to anyone trying to start a new business is that if you can't sell yourself, then you're really starting pretty far uh, behind. Um, if you're willing to sell and if right. you can sell, if you can make yourself do it, if you can learn the skills and do it, you'll have a huge advantage. Excellent. I'm glad you said that. And also, David has said he had specific selling tools. He said he knew how to. You said, David, you know how to make it better. You believed you could make it better because you had actual specifics of how of, of how you could make their brand and their product shine after, after the study, correct? Yes, that's right. I had a specific idea and agenda of how to do it, and it turned out to be correct. If you have just joined us, you are listening to The Art of the CEO Radio, which every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time streams magically through the enigmatic and often even ethical realms of cyberspace when you, uh, where you may listen and download uh, this show and all our shows by visiting theartoftheceo.com. That's theartoftheceo.com. We are on several radio stations and countless internet streams, but going to theartoftheceo.com is the easiest way to get hold of us and and hear all about David and the show itself. Uh, now, David, uh, let's talk for just a little bit. You have uh, everyone who has dealt with society awards talks about their their patented process of of how you go about it. And uh, we don't want to we don't want to uh, give away the store here or, or be an agent for industrial espionage. But what strikes me is that a client comes to you or calls calls you, and your clients probably have as little product knowledge 
as almost anyone in any industry I can think of. Uh, the in, in the mind's eye, I, I'm sort of picturing a, a mogul or perhaps an HR person calling up and saying, "David, we need an award. You know, you know, a really nice one." Uh, and and that's is that sort of somehow how it goes? Uh, I mean, do they have a lot of preconceptions? Very insightful. That's exactly correct. Uh, people that are our customers that we deal with at the companies. Um, they might be in HR, they might be in special events, they might be a production manager of some kind. People are, even are in marketing, and somebody somehow mm. gives them the job of creating an employee award or some other kind of event-related award. It could be the executive assistant to the CEO of a major, huge corporation because it was the CEO's idea that they should have a very prestigious, fancy <laughs> internal award. So it runs the gamut right. of all different kinds of people that are doing this. And in that case, if it's the executive, you know, assistant to the CEO, it's actually the CEO that's making the decisions and is directly involved with the creation of this. And these people are not sculpture experts or statue experts, and they're often not even designers. Sure. Right. And so I I always try to tell, remind my staff internally that um, the number one emotion that we uh, see when clients are coming to us, whether they say it or not, is actually anxiety. And everything that we do and everything about our process is designed to put them at ease and let them allow us to do our thing. And that's how we end up having success. If you were, you know, I could make an analogy about hiring a law firm, but even that isn't a good analogy because lots of people have actual experience hiring law firms many times or dealing with legal legal matters or uh, that sort of thing. But I guess what if you went to, what if you didn't have a lot of experience in law you went to hire a law firm and the attorney says well so how do you think we should do this should we file some motions <laughs> yes what kind of motions would you like you know and, and so that yeah, gives you a sense of how, do you, how, how should we run this you, litigation you're you're the defendant tell me yeah oh, yeah, yeah exactly I think so that's what you, you get yeah, actually, in with I, a lot of trophy shops trying to make an award program a collaborative process but it's not efficient, functional collaboration. So we have a different process, understanding that our clients are sculpture experts, and we find out what it is that they need, that they want, and then we do everything for them and show them finished work. And so that's really what's different. And it's a more pleasurable experience for our customers to be able to um, be led down a reliable repeatable path uh, by the world's expert in this and not um, being expected to know how to do it themselves. Right. Be be confronted with the, do you want this, do you want that? Yeah. Well, now, yes. what are some of the factors when, when someone does come to you with an award proposal? Uh, and what are some of the, uh, I guess, parameters uh, considering uh, that you have to sort of weed out and work through uh, logistically when you're creating an award? Yes. So logistic parameters will obviously automatically pro, uh, provide some limitation or boundaries on design. Obviously sure. budget, obviously mm-hmm. timing. So there are certain mm-hmm. manufacturing processes we have at our disposal that take months or maybe half a year or longer. Mm-hmm. If you've got that kind of time, mm-hmm. then we can be unlimited with how we approach it. If you need it mm-hmm. in a short period of time, then there are we might be limited. Um, What we try to do is come up with designs that 
really fit the need and don't appear to be limited in any way, um, although mm-hmm. in reality, of course, that's always a factor. Right. David, I had a uh, a sculpture of me made by an expert, uh, and an excellent sculptor, but the thing that most impressed me when I went to her and was she knew me, she got to know me, and she wrote down a list of elements of character that she wanted to bring out in this sculpture of of me. And I was that very impressed me rather than, than just going for straight realism. Do, do you, I assume that you're trying to sort of, you have to catch the essence of the firm, don't you? Well, that's a good question. Um, for what we're doing, we typically have to keep in mind that it is commercial art that we're creating uh, that serves a purpose. In your case, the firm is an entity. Yeah, it might have been it might have been more akin to fine art, which we sometimes do. Sometimes clients come to us and say, I want a museum quality kind of sculpture. Now of course Mm-hmm. The difference between most museum pieces and the kind of work that we would do is that for a museum quality piece of artwork, there's only one, and we m- will be creating many usually. Um, and it yeah, could be yeah, tens, hundreds, thousands, tens of thousands, depending on how big the company is. <laughs> so all of those are yeah. key factors and differences. And the other thing about, and again, we can create fine art, and we have done that, but I think there's a slight distinction mm-hmm. between fine art being used for a commercial purpose. And where I'm going with this oh, is yeah. maybe you want to try to capture uh, inherent abstract esoteric qualities of the firm. But for the company's purposes, relatively right. simple semiological branding is probably going mm-hmm. to serve them better and be more productive. Something that's iconic. Uh, something that's recognizable. Right. A lot of times awards, if it's a show especially, awards come to be a logo of the show, even though it wasn't originally. A lot of times you have a logo and you want that turned into an award, but it can happen in the opposite direction. You have an award and that becomes your logo. So you want to keep all those right, things right. in mind. Uh-huh. And it really is a skill to make something simple, but also unique and desirable. Oh, Boy, to me, it seems like an overwhelming challenge, quite frankly. So after this delightful nashing at today's Feast of Wisdom, I believe it is truly time to take a brief sorbet and allow me to proffer you a few utensils for today's feast. And first utensil, as I always do, allow me to remind each of you hearing my voice that the good Lord has gifted you with the title and privileges of Chief Executive Officer of Yourself. And since that's really the most important position you'll ever hold in your career, allow me to ask, will this be the day that you come to realize that all those ads and institutions who have sought to persuade you are really nothing more than beggars at your door? Or will you continue to believe that you must follow along and give them the pieces of your life? The choice, my friend, is truly yours. And as a second utensil, I can sense you yearning to steep your lips into a little laughter and taste a scriptural recitation from the 102 Best Business Quips book. So I am thumbing through it as we speak. And okay, here we are, here we are. This is number 97. Our CEO sees no relation between the money we spend and the money we have. Our CFO sees nothing else. So, uh... 
Our C, what our C-suite really needs is a marriage counselor. <laughs> what do you think, David? Have you ever dealt with companies like that? Um, I sounds familiar. Actually, dealt with companies like that. I think sometimes <laughs> I live in companies like that. Um, work in companies <laughs> like that. But yeah, uh, I yes, my CFO says no to almost all of my ideas, <laughs> unless unless there are ways to reduce costs. <laughs> right. Yes. Which oh, is a good God. a good check that I need. It's a good dialectic, and it's, it's it is a corporate thing. And and just as an afterthought. You, money is indeed the blessed sap of business. It makes it go, and you, the value of money is something that should be appreciated. But there are other values to be considered, and it is nice when you have a team to make that choice. And if you're smart I'll to bet over that, he, we have them literally – what's that? I, I, I was, I was going to say he challenges me to prove an ROI on it, and I think that's actually a oh. great exercise for CEOs to have, even if it's a branding or marketing exercise – I think that you can always demonstrate an ROI, and even the most hard-nosed CFO can appreciate returns on <laughs> intangible investments. Yes, I, 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 that's, that's very good, and I, I, I'm glad you brought that, that personal example right there. Anyway, if you smirked a bit over that quip, you can find them. We have them literally by the books full at, at uh, BartsBooks.com. Just pick up your copy of a 101 or the 102 Best Business Quips book, and your silver tongue will be tipped with mirth and wisdom to give a little alleviating load to from all your fellow chain gangers at work. And as the third utensil, we sumptuously uh, bring to you the name of the uh, this week's uh, – Excuse me. The answer to last week's business quotation. That is the name of the individual who said, "If I had 16 hours to chop down a tree, I'd spend the first nine sharpening my axe." Those words were spoken by none other than the 16th president of these here United States, vet and veteran rail splitter, Mr. Abraham Lincoln. Congratulations to all you winners, and stick with us because later on in the show, blurting your way comes yet another enriching quotation. And if you are among the learned souls who knows the author of that quote, simply scribble that sage's name down as you believe him or her to be, and send it right off to info at bartsbooks.com. That's info at bartsbooks.com. And if you are correct, you will earn yourself a career-igniting gift freshly disemboweled from the dungeons of Bart's Books Bookstore. And before we return to David Moritz and his most celebrated and envious uh, Society Awards, allow me to introduce to you the company by whose good graces we are here today. That company is Prometheus Publishing, who invites you to look at uh, one of their books entitled, So That's How They Do It, Tactics from Business Masters. And I've got to say, this is one of my favorite book projects simply because of the readership. This book was deliberately designed for all those business folks we at BarsBooks.com term the energized elite. You, you know who you are. You're, you're that individual who uh, is filled with life, who seeks a fulfilling and a satisfying career, and when you hear a good idea, you're, you'll put your hands to the swivel chair and rise up and seize that better tool and apply it to your own job. And if you are among those bright uh, individuals, we uh, invite you to read through the book. You may pick up your copy of So That's How They Do It, bypass the tools you, you don't want, and apply the ones that do, Just and you can find your copy at bartsbooks.com. Carpe diem, my friend, you are indeed worth it. Now, 
with our utensils in hand, let's return to Mr. David Moritz, whose entrepreneurial spirit has taken him to the pinnacle of the awards field in entertainment, sports, and corporate industries, and, and even Camp Flying Moose, if, if they are wise and lucky. Uh, so, <laughs> David, as you've said, this is not a collaboration. There's not a flurry of sketches going back and forth. You take them straight to the prototype. You lead them down. You are the expert. I've got to ask, have you ever disappointed if you ever showed the prototype and the CEO said, ah, you know, have you ever, have you ever had that disappointment? Well, you know, ironically, we have in the past as I was starting the company and learning things mm-hmm. and that those experiences are how we've shaped the process that we have now. So we no longer have disappointments at all, ever, period. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't just created out of thin air that way. I didn't just snap my fingers and write down a process, and then it was perfectly successful from then on. But for the last many years, we've been entirely successful in our process because we've honed and crafted it through trial and error over time. And those experiences are the ones that I wanted to make sure not to ever repeat again, and you find out how difficult that is and uh, how unpleasant it can be. And so that's why we have created a more reliable system. Now, you've got a system and you've got a good staff that that uh works on the ideas and for, with you and and does the actual production and so forth. But um the course of true business never runs smooth. What was may I ask what was one of the most challenging awards that that you have have made uh, of late? What was one that really was a real stumper for you? I would say one of the most, I mean, there's a lot of awards that have technical challenges in them, either in what the client wants to do is technically difficult to achieve with high quality. Um, Sometimes there are other limitations like timing that make something difficult. Uh, Overall, Mm -hmm. I would say one of the most difficult projects that we've had, uh, challenging, let's say, um, was making a authorized replica of Jeff Kuhn's balloon rabbit for AFTA, Americans for the Arts. <laughs> so Jeff Koons is, oh, I think, my. the most successful living artist ever. Um, and no, he's no. known for these outrageous, huge, um, very technically uh, accurate and complex sculptures. Um, and mm. we worked directly with him. I worked you know, face-to-face with Jeff Koons from time to time and his team for a long time. Uh, to create um, award-sized versions of his balloon rabbit. And, of course, they had to be very faithful, one copy to the other. We worked in lost wax bronze with a 24-karat gold electroplating. It was all made in the U.S. Um, And we had to be very faithful to his technical details, but doing it in a reasonable budget um, that an, an organization could could conceivably afford as opposed to an unlimited budget uh, for what he usually works in, and that's how we came into the picture. Um, That was very challenging to meet his quality expectations, but we far exceeded them. Um, I think the part that made it so challenging is that he had relatively low and reasonable expectations in the beginning and then um, increased his expectations uh, just always to be a little (laughs) bit more than our last capability. Uh, which is, you oh, know, my, yes. he's very successful. So, um, 
I probably would not be too different. Oh. Well, what of the, the of your popular awards of of uh the ones that people might know? What one may I ask uh, are are you most proud if you were going to present if 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 I say the art of the CEO needs needs an award, uh show me some of your work. What what would be one of the awards that you would would be would most proudly set forth on the table? So the most famous award probably is the, the most prestigious and famous is probably the Golden Globe. Um, we're extremely proud to have that relationship and to have that honor and responsibility. Um, it's it's an iconic award. It goes to some of the most talented people in film and television all over the world, and um, it's definitely a name that people know. It's definitely exciting. I think that if I were to show oh, yeah. it to you, you would feel you know honored to be in its presence. It's that kind of a it's that kind of an icon. Um, the iconic MTV Video Music Award, uh, the VMA, um, mm-hmm. Moon Person, used to be called the Moon Man, but now we want to be correct. Yes, I remember that. Moon, could, could be anybody inside the suit. <laughs> so, um, I think that's True. a really fun, recognizable award that a lot of people know about, that a lot of people identify with. That's really a great one. Um, and then the Glad Media Award would be an example of an award whose design we did on our own. So that's a beautiful um, retro Art Deco kind of uh, design, gorgeous two wings soaring up, and we designed that. Um, those other awards were – some of oh. them were designed before I was born, obviously. Um, but <laughs> right, yeah, the, I, I think uh, the Golden Globes is older than all of us, right? Yes, it is. But, it is actually far. Yes. Um, so those are some examples of awards that I'm very proud of. There's also um, the CFDA, Fat Council of Fashion Designers of America. So that's like the fashion world's mm. Oscar, um, and that's made by a, a famous, yes, uh, designed by a famous sculptor, and we create a replica of it in stainless steel. And the technical oh. execution of that we're very proud of. It's very difficult to achieve, very fine sculpture, um, and so that's something that we're proud of. But we have a whole range of things from traditional to avant-garde, um, and that can really showcase a lot of different styles. I think that's, that's fascinating. I, may I ask, once you, you've got it designed, first of all, may I ask how large your in-office team is before it goes to the manufacturer? May I ask about how many people, actually, how many people will work on an award, a major award where you've got a, a decent amount of time? How many uh, uh, society awards uh, hands and minds will go, will be uh, put into that process. So the Society Awards team is about 40 people, um, including mm-hmm. uh, our permanent freelancers, accountants, bookkeepers, that kind of thing. Um, right. So we've, we're about 40 people for the Society Awards team. Um, and then factor, mm-hmm. we use several factories all over the world. They can be relatively mm-hmm. modest shops, 10 or 15 people, up to um, mm-hmm. artisan factories that can employ 100 or 200 people. Um, and so sure. it really depends on what's involved. And sometimes the if we're using a very complicated manufacturing process, then you have tooling right. and molds and dyes, mm. and these are created in yet other places. So um, a lot can go into making a beautiful, high-quality sculpture um, a lot more than you might think. It's, it, it is hand craftsmanship, but a lot of um, mm-hmm. heavy industry can be used in creating the tools that are then used 
to execute the hand craftsmanship. Right, I see what you mean. And of course, you have the additional burden of making everything replicated, and as you say, all that means ten thousand times. Yeah, right. And that's yeah. My my, my golden globes has to look a lot like yours. <laughs> Precisely. Now, exactly if I if I uh, were if I uh, need an exquisite award that runs anywhere from two hundred to a thousand, or I may, or if it were customized, it could even go up to ten times that. I suppose if I were a listener and I was in the market for that level of prize, uh, an award. How might I get a hold of you and become a client of Society Awards? Are there uh, potential clients listening right now? Because usually it's a needle in a haystack as to who um, is the actual person in a major corporation that has the challenge and burden of ordering awards. But trust me, if you if you're listening and you work for well, we already work with Nike, but you work with some major corporation and they've asked you to get awards. Mm-hmm. Then you are just—you've had the most fortunate day ever that you're listening to this podcast. Um, all you have to do is go to the website. Uh, you'll see a very simple explanation of what we do and what our company and, is. And what branding. is that website? Could you give that to us? www.societyawards.com. Um, you'll okay. click on the contact page. You can see examples, uh, pictures of our office locations, our beautiful warehouse uh, with the solar canopy that provides all the energy for the building, all of these very interesting things. The phone number is there. You can give us a call. Um, it'll ring a, a number of different people. You can leave a message. Someone will get back to you immediately. You can send an email. Someone, You'll be surprised at how quickly somebody gets back to you. And um, we'll take it very you know, easily from there. Um, it's kind of like the prestige of Tiffany, but without the attitude. <laughs> very nicely put. Very nicely put. People, it's it's so nice to see somebody who's doing excellence because his taste level demands excellence, not because he feels he's putting something over on you. And I thank you. David, I thank you so much. I have learned a lot, and I've become utterly enthralled. And uh, maybe we will indeed contact you when we're doing our Prometheus Awards, <laughs> if we can, if we can summon our summon our imagination. Uh, I'm not sure about flying moose, but uh, we'll we'll have to see how they do. <laughs> and I I thank you so much for coming on the show. I re- really appreciate it. And I uh, and hopefully some of you people out there will uh, begin to take note and realize what David has to offer. Thank you, Bart. Thank you for having me. I had a good time. Uh, I'm so glad you did. And so as we round out today's feast, I am Bart Jackson, your curator of business wisdom, leaving you with today's quotation. That is, who said, if you make the absolutely best product out there, they will buy it. They have to buy it. They cannot afford not to buy it. Uh, And as a hint, this brilliant entrepreneur and promoter launched uh, it all in the 1930s with a well-sketched mouse and his girlfriend. Now, there's a good hint for you. And remember, if you know the author of this quote, simply scribble that sage's name down as you believe him or her to be. Send it right off to info at bartsbooks.com, and you will find yourself, if you win, a the possessor of a career-igniting gift, freshly torn and ripped apart, out of the from its fellows at Bart's Books Bookstore, and be sure to tune in uh, next week because we are going to have uh, Mr. 
Aaron Edelheit talk about the need, something that we all need this summer, the need for a break in business. He is setting our mind on the right pathways. You do not want to miss this, my friend. You need it. And as a parting shot, in the words of my wife's husband, if you must fall in love with some aspect of your business, let it be your product rather than your profits. And to you, who uh, gleefully sharing our feast, I hope you've enjoyed The Art of the CEO as much as David and I have enjoyed bringing it to you. And remember that you may download this and all our shows at theartoftheceo.com. And finally, to you, who have honored us with your time, may I say, as always, it has been a privilege, and I thank you. <laughs>